Welcome back to Hot Pizza Ass. I'm your host, Erin Darling Taralva. Now, today's guest is someone who is incredibly wise and generous in life and on stage. Every performance I've ever seen him give is completely alive and unique and really inspiring to watch. You guys know him from his work on Curb Your Enthusiasm and also The Goldbergs and his prolific career doing stand-up comedy and improv. He has a Netflix special coming out November 12th called Our Man in Chicago, where he talks about love, loss, and food addiction. Without further ado, I am so proud to present this episode with Jeff Garland. Jeff, thank you so much for joining on Hot Pizza Ass. I am so excited to have you here. I'm very happy to be here. Yeah. Yeah, I rarely get excited about anything, but I'm happy to be here. Really? Yeah. That's awesome. Um, You're going to be my first male guest on the podcast. I think it's really cool that you offered to do this because... Oh, I'll be I'll be real. Yeah. I'm not good, but it's not... I don't feel a responsibility except to be uh, a thoughtful person, you know, uh, who responds to whatever you ask. Okay, cool. Yeah. Right on. Mm-hmm. So what has your journey been like, your journey of self-love? Like, what have you struggled with? Well, by the way, so much of who I am today is based on the only thing. I'm 57 years old, and the only thing that I know to be true is that we should be kind to ourselves. How's that? And the secret thing that I know that everybody's like, oh, I wish I could do that or i try is the truth is, it is really hard. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like people always make out these things like that. It's just so simple. No, it's hard to be kind to yourself. It's really hard when you say things to yourself like, you fucking idiot, to not be the fucking idiot. To go, okay, man. Because, look, you, you know what you know when you know it. You, like, uh, what did I put on my Instagram um, uh, give, doing the best I can with the information I've been given. Mm-hmm. And the information we've been given is what we were taught, what we learn, and what we experience. So you can't blame yourself for mistakes. Mistakes that's come... So true. I, an, I anticipate... That's your dog, Ripken. I anticipate making many more mistakes. I don't know that I'll have a lot of... I don't have a lot of regrets even to this day, but I have made a lot of mistakes in my life and I will continue to. I know what I know with the information I've been given. Yeah. Doing the best I can with the information I've been given. I just thought that was really how I approach life. Doing the best I can with the information I've been given. So, you know, you um, just do the best you can. I mean, there's really no more to it than that. How has that kind of informed your journey as a comic? Because the reason why I'm asking that is because I feel a lot of the times kind of like, oh, maybe if I'm if I work harder in in this capacity, it'll yield results. And there's not a matter of working harder unless you're not working. Either you're working or you're not. Mm-hmm. It's like when someone in a relationship says, I'm trying to this. No, you're either doing the best you can or you're not. Trying, what is trying? I'm trying to work hard. No, you're either working hard and doing the work you need to do or you're not. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, so I disagree with you. I think you shouldn't go, if I try harder. No. If you're trying, then what results you're getting are the best that you can get with how you're approaching it. You might want to change your approach if you feel frustrated, but you either trust your approach or you don't. And if you don't, try new things, but don't work harder. Just change the way you do it. That's what I think. I like that. I think yeah. there's something really freeing about that because I, for a very long time, I would sit and be like, okay, I need to write. I need to write an hour a day. And I would oftentimes not like the material that I ended up writing. And I would just kind of end up throwing it away or putting it, you know, in some sort of Word document. But that's the right path. 
Really? Because I felt... No, it's not, I'm going to write something great uh, for the next hour. I'm not going to write uh, a thousand words that's great. I'm going to write, and either it'll be great or it won't. And if it don't, if it doesn't, there's tomorrow. So no, it's not being result-oriented. It's the doing. Doing. My stand-up career, my acting career... My writing career, everything about me is an evolution of doing the work. And you get to where you get when you get, and you learn what you learn when you learn it. You can't say, I'm going to write, and then when it's not good, you failed. No, you've written. That's all it is. You know, people always want to know the secret of success. The secret of success is keep going. Don't, don't. Let adversity beat you. Just keep going. And it also means just write. So you writing for a period of time every day is awesome. You writing something great every day, impossible. You might have a week of it and then two months of nothing. You don't know. That's very wise. Well, that's what I've aspired to be since I'm a young man is to be wise. And I also think that I don't know anything. So even though you're interviewing me and I'm a man of some sort of accomplishment and I'm a man who's not afraid to be vulnerable talking about everything from body issues to how I got to where I got and how I feel about it, um, I don't know anything. (laughs) Right on. Yeah. (laughs) So what what are your body issues? Like where do you land Uh, on My body issues are few and far between currently. That's awesome. Yeah, I feel very good. I'm very comfortable being naked. I'm very comfortable with my shirt off. Um, I swim, I have people over. I'm very comfortable in my skin. Uh, that has not always been true. I, as a matter of fact, a friend of mine, a director, he, it's about five years ago, he's on his uh, honeymoon. And there's a picture of him at some resort laying in this like little lagoon area with his shorts. That's where I became aware of it. I was like going, I have never laid and been comfortable like that. Now I float around in my pool. I'm comfortable as hell. And uh, someone's even taken a picture of me and put it on Instagram and I don't care. I'm really comfortable. How did you get there? Um, I think Hmm. Well, I think it's a combination of things. Number one, I've taken better care of my body. Therefore, my body responds in a positive way. I'm kinder to myself. I'm not being mean to myself for my belly. Like some days I look at my belly, it's a little bit puffed up. I maybe had too much gluten. Don't know. And then other times it's kind of, oh, you look pretty good. You look great. Well, that's very kind of you. To when say. you posted that photo wearing the old school wrestling oh, outfit, yeah. I was well, like, "Wow, was he looks person. ripped." They told me the bit almost didn't work because I looked too good, but <laughs> I'm not really ripped. I just take care of myself, and I have a a naturally athletic body. So I was an athlete, good at sports when I was younger. Yeah. Yeah. Now I'm too slow to be good at sports. Was the bit to make you like look silly in the outfit? Well, but they're like, is, whoa, he looks hot. No, no, no. It was my <laughs> sons were into wrestling, and I wanted to be more involved with my sons. So I see this one wrestler, and he's wearing one of those things. I forgot what they're called. And uh, I put it on to tell him that we're pumped up. We're going to go see wrestling. And I was obviously supposed to look up like a fat, ridiculous dad. And I kind of didn't, but I did still enough. Yeah. You know? I mean, just the nature of the costume, yeah. right? Yeah. It's kind of yes, funny. It, it is. Yes, it is kind of funny. But I'm very comfortable. I'm at my most comfortable naked. Really? Yeah. 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 For your listeners, she would not know that. <laughs> <laughs> We're friends, and you've swam at my house before. Right. But I... Uh, don't walk around naked in front of my friends. That's not a habit of mine. But I'm very comfortable naked. You know, I, yeah, I always have been. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of when 
Well, I guess there's certain times when I feel really comfortable naked, but then a lot of the times I just don't. Well, if you don't, I wonder what's going on when you don't. Well, tell me, do you feel that if you're naked with a person and they're not thinking, you might think, oh, they think I'm fat or they don't think I'm beautiful? Or um, are you alone and you're spot spotting things in your body that are to you flawed? Yeah, oh, that was the bit I wanted to do tonight. Oh, no. let's talk about this. OK, so I'm at the farmer's market. I wanted to talk about this on stage. I've talked about it a couple of times. Never been that funny, but I'm looking for it. I'm at the farmer's market at 3rd and Fairfax, and I'm waiting for someone, and I look over, and there's a woman wearing a sweatshirt that says, um, oh, what does it say? That's the key to the whole thing. Um, um, not perfect. Um, flawless. It says flawless. Okay. And looking at her, she was anything but flawless. But as I stood there looking at her in judgment, which was wrong, but we all do it, I thought to myself, wait, as human beings, we are both uh, uh, physically and emotionally flawed. Mm -hmm. We have our fears. We make mistakes. We, I have scars on my body. You know what I mean? I have areas that I, from being heavier... I'm still a little too heavy for my taste. There's not enough muscle there. So I have my little things, although I don't beat myself up. But as I looked at her and I thought about how flawed we are, I thought, well, if she's doing her job at being a human being, which means living life, then she actually is flawless. She's not flawed. Mm -hmm. Everything that's going on with her is meant to be and supposed to be. So she was perfect, yeah. as is. So I thought that as I looked at her, so now I can't hear myself at all. It's okay. All right. I got uh, you. Whatever. I'm fine. I'm fine though. I don't care because we're in a, we're in we're 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 sitting. I don't know why you have this. She has a um a little pirate ship in her den, and we're sitting in the pirate ship. A pirate ship. All right. You should have just <laughs> gone along with it. All right. Yo-ho. So, but yeah, in terms of so I don't beat myself up, and also, you know. So I'm asking you, when don't you feel good naked? Well, I please think don't say showering because then that's really sad. Oh well, well that is probably that's the most period of time I spend naked, really. Yes, but I'm saying, why when you're cleaning your body, well, are you not? Sometimes I'm like when I see my reflection in the mirror, I'm just like, um, well, there's just it's not overall. There's just like certain areas, right? Like I'm kind of like, you know, like I break out sometimes, like because well, yeah, I work that, out. But that happens you know? on like my butt or and my back, temporary. and I'm just like, oh god, gross. How do I get rid of this? You know, it's just like stuff like that. Mm. Or, well, I think that you either do your best to get rid of whatever it is you don't like or you learn to accept it or you find the best place I mean, is somewhere in between. Honestly, it's just a constant state of flux though, you know? But that's why you should accept yourself. Yeah. It's ridiculous not to, mm-hmm. you know? And um, God willing, you'll find yourself a man who appreciates all your beauty, inner beauty, your body, your face, all of it. That's what you want because we're hard enough on ourselves. We don't need somebody else. You know what I mean? Pointing out shit or being, you know. I mean, we all should be with people who physically worship us. I doesn't mean, mean that's, we all that's cool in a perfect but, uh, world. <laughs> it doesn't mean, it doesn't, but now you say perfect world, but um, uh, when... If I'm with somebody, they're flawless. Do you know what I mean? They're, I mean, I'm going to make them feel good, and I'm not going to be full of shit. Um, I know... See, it, it's, I think that... I'm giving advice now. Okay, yeah, give advice. So if you're a man or a woman and you're with somebody... And you discovered during your relationship with them what their most vulnerable area 
of their body is, love that area more than everything else and show that you accept that area and you love it. And the other person, unless they have really big problems, is going to fucking dig that. And by the way, there are plenty of people who have big body issue problems. And I feel for them. I realize now, looking back at pictures of myself as a younger man in high school and college, that I had body dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. I look now and I go, oh, you look good. And I felt so fat. Really? Oh, I felt obese. And I wasn't. And I felt obese. So what, what, what was about going on that period of time in your life? Like, why did you feel obese? Was it just, like, compared to your peer group? Or did someone say something? Like, what was the thing that made you feel inadequate? I guess I didn't feel... I, di- I didn't feel... I was an athlete, but I didn't feel strong enough. I didn't feel athletic enough. Mm-hmm. And I was... Um, I was actually flawless, but I just... I wasn't perfect. I wasn't tight, tight, tight. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I look now and I go, you you look tight enough. You know what I mean? I wish I could talk to that poor kid who just beat the shit out of himself. Right. Yeah. So. Um, I know. I wish I could talk just, to me too. Uh, but I think it's, I think it's ignorance. <laughs> I didn't know any better. Yeah. You know? And if I could see myself now, I probably would look at myself and go, oh, you're old. And maybe even think that I'm fat to a degree. But I would explain to him, no, dude, you're good the way you are. I'm good the way I am. Mm-hmm. And by the way, I really want to function in the world. I'm a comedian, I'm an actor, and I'm a man looking to be in a relationship with a woman. In order for me to accomplish that, I need to be confident. Mm-hmm. I can't be, I can have insecurities i can have vulnerabilities but i need to be confident and confident doesn't mean bullshitting those things it just means i feel confident with my skill level as a comedian how i look on stage by the way are there days where i don't feel attractive of course that's just called being human Mm -hmm. it's ironic i have a friend dear friend beautiful woman and Whenever I tell her how beautiful she looks, it's always on the days where she feels the least beautiful, which is ironic. So on a day where she feels really beautiful, I might not say anything. Not because I'm only saying it because I think she needs it, but it pops in my head. So I think we're the worst at knowing whether or not we look good. Yeah. We're the worst. So. That's true. Yeah. I agree with you. I feel like um, when I was in high school, I was always like on a crash diet. How foolish. The amount of destruction that oh, a crash I know. diet does to your body. I know. But you didn't know any better. I know. And by the way, <laughs> I know someone who decided to only eat peanut M&Ms because it gave the protein and the, you know what I mean? It gave the whole thing for like two days. What? Why? Well, I called it the scurvy diet. She's trying to, she's like a pirate trying to get scurvy. No, but it just, just people are abusive to themselves. By the way, me, I weighed at my most 320 and I weigh now in the 240s. And I can tell you that I did none of it by dieting. None. So how did you do it? Take better care with myself. I lost it slowly. I lost it over like five years. Mm-hmm. So the people don't want to hear that. Were you trying to, or did it just No, kind of... I just changed my ways, and over five years, 70 fucking pounds. That's a lot. Went away, <laughs> and slowly, so I don't have a lot of, like, um, skin hanging down. It's it's tight, you yeah. know what I mean, for the most part. Might be a little looser in some areas I don't like, but in general, I'm pretty tight, and I lost it slow. So, comedians... Someone starts out, they do the open mics, they feel good, they're doing their best. I've been doing it 37 years. I think I really found my voice five years ago. Are you serious? Yeah. 
Whoa. And I'm only making the voice better because I grow all the time. But we're looking at, it took me over 30 years to really find my voice. Think about that. I mean, so, yeah, I know. That's a in lifetime. Terms of, <laughs> but I told you that the minimum it takes to get good, unless you're a savant, and even then, you'd, it's still going to take time. It's 10 years. Mm-hmm. So what the fuck is five years to lose 70 pounds? Just do it and be kind to yourself because you know what? We want the instant results. There's that feeling of like, and also no one will love me when I'm this heavy. Really? Which, which is a lie. It's a lie. Someone will love you. Oh my gosh. You did something amazing on stage tonight. Do you know what I'm about to say? I have no idea. You were doing, I guess, kind of crowd work with this one guy who was talking about his uh, dating or lack of dating options. And yeah. he said something that was really vulnerable and it struck you and you were surprised by it. Oh, I did, did. Yeah. Do you remember what he said? I'm trying to remember in my mind. Cause you asked him, what are you putting yourself out there? Are you trying, are you trying to meet uh, people to date? And he said something like, Oh, people don't like to approach me. Right. The tough Yes. Guy. Yeah. And I said, Oh, don't do that. Yeah. You're, because he truly was sweet. He looked like a guy who was an ex-gang member covered in tattoos. He looked tough as shit, but he also had a warmth to him that was crazy. Yeah. And he's used that to block people. Hopefully tonight he heard some of what I said. I mean, it's not for him to learn from my shows, but bonus if he does. Yeah. No, I think it definitely made if an it stays impact. With him. I didn't get to see him because I was um, no, on was, the other side of the stage. He had like that beard. He was very tough looking. You wouldn't want to fuck with him, but he was also a really warm three-dimensional person and his eyes were penetrating. When he looked at those ladies, they noticed. Yeah. He's next to him who I told them to look in his eyes. They noticed. Isn't that crazy? I, I wasn't expecting that either for someone at a comedy yeah, show but, to but, be what, so honest. What, what did and... I do? I was in the moment. I'm not going to attack like... I guarantee that 96 out of 100 comedians are going to attack that man looking like that in the front row. And because I don't want to say all except me, I'm sure there's a few others that would look for the warmth with him and not go for the easy laughs of his, the way he looked with his tattoos and stuff. I wanted to get to the core. Why doesn't he have a significant other? Because mm-hmm. he wanted one. He told me. You know, so I just, you know, when I do crowd work, it's not to get laughs. It's to get into, it's to have a discussion. And by the way, all the discussions are pretty fucking funny. Yeah, they are. So if I'm going for get laughs, then I'm going to go for shortcuts. I'm going to go for cruelty. There's so many ways to not have depth when you're talking to someone in an audience because you wouldn't think. But I find great depth and great material in talking with someone. Mm-hmm. You make discoveries. Yeah. So. Yeah, like that person. And I like to also write a story with the audience in terms of what they tell me as I come back to things. I use them as callbacks, not in a superficial way, but in a, hey, if we did this, what about him with that? And yeah. Yeah. I want to go back to the whole thing that you said about taking 30 years to find your voice. Yeah. Well, that's, but I'm looking back on it as someone who's done it 37 years. Like I shot a, a special for Netflix. I think it's the first ever Netflix special. For some reason, it's been eliminated from the history books. What? Yeah. I shot it. Before Netflix paid for it and I shot it. So at Second City in Chicago. And for some reason, when you look on Wikipedia or whatever, or the history books, it doesn't mention. And mine was way before. And I know I was the, here's what I do know I was the first one that ever was offered streaming when they had streaming services and mm-hmm. the DVD. The one that came before me was Zach Galifianakis live from the Purple Onion, and that was only on DVD. Wow. Yeah, when it came out. Yeah. Mine was the first streaming one. 
That's so, so I had the crazy. first streaming stand-up special. Zach, the first DVD one. This is Netflix, because Lord knows HBO had you know many in Showtime. Mm-hmm. So, um, but that's the joke of it. When I talk to you or any comedian, your development, if you're in it for the long haul, will you know grow and grow and change and change. Oh, okay. So I'll say to people. Don't, you know, um, you know, they're so worried about their closer and their opener. Comedians, all comedians, let's say you've been doing it 24 years. What you open and close with today, you will not even respect two, three years from now. Mm -hmm. So you should constantly be just having fun. Having fun is really important. Mm -hmm. If I'm not having joy, like tonight it was so joyful that I was able to be as funny as I wanted. If the audience is stiff, I can't be as funny as I want. Right. Yeah. So I, unlike people who do all material, am really at the mercy of how good my audience is. Have you ever had the experience of having them not get on board? What are you talking about? Of course. I have played to silence. Really? I have played to audiences hating me. I cannot even imagine that. That's very kind of you. I remember doing a New Year's Eve show. And this is in Florida. This is after Curb even. The whole audience is there to see me. They're paid to see me. Same Philadelphia I did a show. And you'd think I was on some sort of practical joke show in terms of them not enjoying me. What? It happens. I have bombed. I've eaten it. As bad as any comedian ever. The thing that I don't like, and I prefer that they would dig it. And by the way, what's ironic is I was really funny, even though they didn't laugh. The worst feeling in the world is when there are a great crowd and you stink. Mm-hmm. When that happens to me, it devastates me. And I'm so embarrassed and I feel like crap. But I feel sometimes I got the groove going and I go up there and the audience doesn't dig me. That's on them. And I know there'll be people or comedians disagreeing with me or going, really? But I truly believe that. I believe, because I think an audience is made up of where they were born, how they grew up, what their parents were like, their DNA, what they had for lunch, what they had for dinner, what what, what their job is like, what their romantic life is like. And all these strangers with all these backgrounds of, of many different levels thrown together in a room, it's a, it's a living org, org, organism. Mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah. So when I go up and the living organism doesn't relate to me, that to me is more naturalistic than even when I don't do well. It's just my groove or whatever it is doesn't mix even though they're a great crowd. I'm off. What did I have for lunch? What's my history compared to them at that moment? So I don't really blame. It's such a random thing. Yeah. 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 One time I had a really bad show in Ohio where I felt there was a last minute venue change that I wasn't aware of because somehow I ended up performing in a bowling alley. And I don't think that's what the people. Guess what? I've done at least a dozen shows in bowling alleys. I've, I've done, never done I've one done before. Bowling, I've done shows in the lanes. I've done shows in the area where you sit. I've done show. you know what I mean, like when you're bowling. <laughs> I've done shows inside the snack bar <laughs> of the bowling alley. I have done at least, they're talking about 37 years. I mean, not recently any bowling alley shows. But yeah, I've done, so, I've performed in strip clubs. I've been really? the comic. Yeah. <laughs> I've, I, I was backstage with all the... I was 20 years old, my first year in comedy. I got a job being the opening act at a strip club, a high-end strip club with great-looking women, but I'm backstage with them. They're all naked, toweling off their their breasts and stuff. and their, it, was, it, was, it made me not want to see a naked woman for a, quite a while because it took away all the... And then when I walked out on stage... The the guys fucking hated me. The minute I opened my mouth, they were like, get the fuck off stage. <laughs> like the only guys who did well in strip clubs, because I remember like going to strip clubs when I was young and seeing the comedians were guys who had a 
bump-a-da-bump-a-da-bump jokes, you know, and they just pounded their jokes and pounded their jokes. And you're bound to laugh at one of them, especially if they don't give up. Right. But me, I'm figuring out who I am. I'm 20 years old. I just started. Oh, that was frightening. Yeah. And, and horrible. It was horrible. Yeah, I have lots of gigs like that. So, and then now when I have, like a lot of times, like I said, like, you know, you don't, you're not a good judge as to whether or not you look pretty on a given day. Other people are better. Mm -hmm. um, it's the same thing. I'll do shows and think I wasn't that good. And the audience loves it. And then I'll do shows where I think it was great and they're kind of nonplussed. Right. So you don't know. You don't know. Do people ever um, hit you up after shows, like strangers, and like give you critiques or comments? Oh, well, uh, you brought a friend, and the dude, this is what, my, what the fuck, he sat across from me, and he said, he just looked at me and went, yeah, I, I, he like was hesitating, he goes, I liked when you did the Q&A, and I'm thinking, that was 10 minutes of my show. So he's telling me he didn't really dig me the fuck now by the way if a friend of mine is a comic watches a set and he goes hey here's what i thought generally they have good but even if it's negative it's good advice it's good i love it so but um i had a woman the other night after my show tell me i was good i gotta tell you something good you never want to hear good good means they didn't really love it mm -hmm. because nobody who sees someone and loves it doesn't say that they loved it or that was great. Right. Even people who don't mean it say I loved it and that was great. So if you get and I thought this was good or I liked that, they did not like your show. So, yes. Not very often, though. Usually people know to keep their mouth shut, un unlike your friend. <laughs> unlike my friend. Who didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I am... Um Sometimes I used to hate this when I would go on the road and open for people like in different cities and they would say, um, like, keep going. Well, by the way, <laughs> I know you hate that, but it's actually a, that's a nice compliment. Is that? Oh, to yeah, me, that's like, oh, well, they. <laughs> you've been doing it eight years. Yeah. You don't know shit. Mm -hmm. Anyone who says something positive to you is very kind. Really? Yeah. You have a natural quality about you that is not teachable and you can evolve with it and grow with it. You have a charm and a charisma and a warmth that audiences like, but you don't know shit yet. You don't. Yeah. You're about to even grow to another level. And you think two years from now, you're going to look back on now a set that you thought was great and go, ooh. Two years after that, same thing. You will constantly be growing. And also, when you're an opening act, they don't give a shit about you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> when you're opening act, they're effusive about the opening act and not so effusive about you. That opening act has made a big jump. Mm -hmm. It's true. And I've had that. Really? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Even recently, uh, Matt Edgar, who opens for me, a friend of mine and their family came and they only wanted to tell Matt how great he was they didn't tell me anything really swear to god he's my opening act i did an hour of putting my heart on the line he did 20 minutes he was great he's learning to kill he does longer sets now but they were just effusive about him you don't see that um i didn't i really ultimately didn't care like i have not held that with me i remember it but i don't really and I'm happy for him that someone digs him that much. But in general, people could give a shit. Here's the, here's the line you probably heard more than any other line. You were good too. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's number you one. You were good too, yep. Because you're not a consideration, but they're not telling you you were good too if they don't really believe it. And unless they're effusive, they didn't love you. Mm -hmm. But they liked you and they think, oh, she's got something. Yeah. You were good too. Number you one on the opening <laughs> act hit list is you were good too. I also get um, you're really pretty. Which well, I'm like... I never got that obviously. <laughs> but the if they say you're really pretty and nothing else, 
That's a fuckhead move. Yeah, that's... I've it's had rude. comics that's tell me that. Well, by the way, we're talking about a large group of people that are douchebags. That's comedians. true. I love comedians. I mean female comics. I, I, by the way... After I get off stage, which I'm kind of like... I feel like that's, that's weird. No, that's them playing a power move. No, I know. That's what I'm saying. It's Not manipulative. It's, but there are a lot of them manipulative. The thing that comedy... Like, my favorite thing is to laugh at another comedian. Mm-hmm. I get joy out of that. I don't like watching somebody bomb. But mm-hmm. a lot of people want to follow somebody who bombed. A lot of people don't want you to succeed. I know a lot. I don't want to say names. I know a lot of people that people know that didn't want me to succeed because they're, they're competitive. It's a waste of time. How do you deal with that? Well, two ways. You become older and you develop confidence and a sense of yourself like I have right now. And it does not affect me. It's sad, but it doesn't profoundly affect me. Mm-hmm. And then when you're younger, I remember when I was in Chicago, I had a weird situation. So I'm in my 20s. I've been doing comedy less than 10 years. And in comedy clubs, my fellow comedians love me, but audiences did not get me. Mm-hmm. I mostly ate it. At Second City, where I did improv and stuff, the minute I walked out on stage, the audience was like, he's our guy. We fucking love him. And everything I said got a laugh, and they love me. But my peers did not respect me. And some, I learned later on a lot of that was jealousy, mm-hmm. you know, and but you need to find your way in both like i got to a point as an improviser where great respect was thrown my way by my peers and i got to a point where audiences began understanding what i was talking about Mm -hmm. but it was more important to me back then to be respected by my peers right like i would have rather not killed back then not killed at Second City and have everybody tell me how great I am, who I respect. And to have the comedians, uh, I liked it in the comedy thing. I didn't give a shit that the audiences didn't like me in stand-up because my peers were like, you're great. You're, you make us laugh. So, because that, what, because truly what that gave me was I kept going. Mm-hmm. If the audience loves you and the, and the, and the comedians don't respect you, it's kind of like, what's going on here? Right. You know, what are you doing that, are you selling out? How are you selling it? But it's much, it's more important just to be true to yourself. See, who gives a shit what the other comics think? Who gives a shit what the audience thinks if you're true to yourself? Now, me saying who gives a shit, you're not going to last long if the audience doesn't like you. Right. So either what you do, they dig or they don't. That's it. So if you're true to yourself, you're going to get an honest reaction from the audience and your peers. So be true to yourself. And if you don't have the respect of your peers or the respect of the audience, then that's just what you're about. Why do you think it's so hard to find that voice? the true to yourself, like even we were talking about that, well, about finding that honesty and... It just takes time, stage yeah. time. Like I told you, the secret of success is to keep doing it. Mm-hmm. That's all I know. I know nothing else, man. There ain't no other shortcut. Go on, I'm talking about stand-up specifically. Go on stage, do your stuff. Be true to yourself. And if you notice you're not, next show, be truer. It's a growth process. That's it. I went from killing. All right, so stand up. Here's my journey stand up. I'm not talking with Second City. Mm-hmm. When I was a young comedian, I killed a lot. My whole act was about imitating cartoon characters, which audiences back then all shared. Mm-hmm. Like now you could do a cartoon character that's on Hulu and who nine-tenths of your audience has no idea what you're talking about. Mm -hmm. But back then, if you did cartoon characters, it wasn't that I did cartoon characters. I did TV. I talked about TV. But we shared. We went from 
four or five channels, three major channels, to four, five, it growed, it, 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 there was a growth that was slow. So me talking about that, it was a shared experience. Mm -hmm. So talking about combining sex, television, things that didn't matter to me. And a friend of mine, Lou Schneider, is one of my best friends to this day. He's a director on the Goldbergs. Um, and he uh, watched me for the first time. We were friends. And he goes, do you listen to the, I know she record, do you listen? And I said, not really. I have ADD and I don't. He goes, listen. And I listened and I heard myself kill. I was so filled with ego and, and fake confidence because I was killing. And I heard somebody, I didn't respect what I was doing. I wasn't true to myself. I wasn't true. And then I only went up from that moment on. I threw away my whole act. And I only did what mattered to me. Wow. And, and guess what happened? I bombed for about a year. Yeah. But I knew I was funny. And I knew I had to make this transition. And I did it. I bombed for a year. God bless Zanies in Chicago because they didn't fire me and I took tons of risks. I owe them forever. <laughs> I feel that. I also have had moments where like, I feel like I owe for risks that I took periods of my life. Jamie Masada mm -hmm. at the Laugh Factory, he stood by me during periods of ill health and risks and and didn't say you can't play my room anymore you know what i mean so it's funny i remember only the people that were either horrible to me or great to me mm -hmm. the ones in between are a blur and the greatest revenge is the ones that were horrible to me i'm really nice to and they think they pulled one over on me and they didn't i remember all of it right but i'm only nice to them because the other way serves no purpose. Mm -hmm. And it is, it feels so good to be sincerely kind to someone who wasn't that way to you. Yeah. It feels great. I love it. Really? Yeah. It's true. Wow. That's pretty telling gangster them, telling, of you. Telling them, oh, you were never <laughs> nice to me. Go fuck yourself. What does that do? And that only makes them resent you. And right. feel bad about themselves. Mm -hmm. Instead, they'll either fool themselves or who knows what's in their quietest moments. Maybe they're like, I remember not being so nice to him. That's very nice of him to, you know, and maybe they're nicer to other people. I don't know. I know nothing. That's what I keep saying. I don't know anything. Wow. Forgiveness. That's hard to do sometimes. It can be. Can be. It's hard to forgive people filled with hate, though. To forgive people filled with hate? Hate. Yeah. Like that, could be, that could be hard. I'm not talking about people filled with hate. I'm talking about people who maybe were insecure, had ego problems. Oh, yeah. You know, who you find as other comedians or maybe producers or club owners who just weren't raised well. You know, there's many different reasons, but none of them. No person from my past was ever filled with hate. That's hard to to forgive. You avoid. I avoid hate. You avoid. <laughs> yeah. I avoid hate too. I don't yeah. want. I don't want. But too I don't much come hate. across it very often. Yeah. I don't. I've put myself in a position where I don't run into it. How do you avoid it? There is no avoiding it. Just I just I find myself in places where I fill with joy. But, all right, here's the thing. And I don't want to out this person. But this person's not filled with hate. So you wonder, a guy like me, how often does crap happen to you? Right. Not too long ago, I hosted an event. And it went really well. I host events, charity events, stuff. It went well. And one of the people in charge of it was giving me the runaround afterwards. There were some things I needed, you know, to park, like all different things. And she's like, well, we have to rush. We have to do this. And I wanted to, but I didn't say to her, how about me who came after filming all day mm -hmm. to help you 
and help everyone with this situation. I don't deserve five minutes of something that I need or help. And they didn't. But they weren't full of hate. They were full of insecurity. They were, they were not being present. Mm-hmm. So I forgive them, to be honest. Um, I'm not thinking I'm Baron Von Magnanimous here. <laughs> but I forgived her. Not in the moment, but I didn't lose my temper. But the next day as I thought about it, I thought, what I found in situations like that, if I ever came across her again and we're in a comfortable social thing, I'll tell her about what she did. Really? Oh, yeah. I'll say, here's what happened. Here's how I felt. And I've never had a situation that that person didn't go, oh, my God, you're right. I'm sorry. Or I'm sorry I did that. You know, but the, the best thing that I have found is not dealing with it in the moment. You can deal with a big abuse in the moment of like, hey, I will not tolerate that. But in terms of just crap, let it go and, and, and let's see where it takes you. It's like that's why I got off Twitter. Twitter, mm-hmm. people get in trouble for oh being immediately responsive. Right. So I got rid of it. I had, I had 150,000 followers, more than I even have now three years later on fucking Instagram. Mm-hmm. They have like 130 or something. But there are 130 people. I never used any of those ways of getting people to follow me. And I have probably, if I have 130,000 followers, 125,000 of them really dig me and are into me. 5,000, it's for various reasons or not a real account or whatever. I'm taking that into consideration. Because mm-hmm. I get a good response and a heartfelt response to everything I post. That's of interest. Yeah, I feel like Instagram is a warmer community than Twitter for Very sure. Because Twitter, I was called an idiot yesterday on Twitter. <laughs> by the way, I don't even want to get into the things I was called oh on Twitter. God. Yeah. But I got the hell out of there. I did. Yeah. Not a place I want to hang. When did you get rid of Twitter? Do you say that was two uh, years ago? Two, maybe even three. Okay. I but, mean, man, I'm and it was very popular then. More popular than it is now. Even. Oh my God! What about Facebook? Are you on Facebook? No, because there are people. I, for the most part, there's a few exceptions. All the people that I knew from a long time ago, I still know, and I keep in contact with. So other people will pop up of like, ugh, I don't ever want to talk to them again. So no, I don't like Facebook. And Facebook also, I just don't like Facebook. I've never liked Facebook. Yeah, I don't like it. (laughs) I haven't liked it for like five years. And so, but I have a page that's a fan page. So if anyone ever sees a page that they think I have, if it doesn't say fan page, it's not really me. Mm -hmm. But I don't waste my time looking to see, you know. No, Instagram is a much more positive experience. Yeah, I I so agree with you there. Oh my gosh. Um yeah, I feel like I'm I, I'm almost at that point too where I'm just kind of like, man, I want to quit all these things, but then Ian Edwards gave me some really good advice. Well, Ian Edwards is a smart man. What He's did he so tell you? smart. He said, "Well, have you ever gotten gotten a job from Facebook?" And I was like, "Yeah. Have you ever booked a show from Facebook?" Yeah. He's like, well, then you probably shouldn't delete your Facebook. <laughs> By the way, completely. And I was like, okay, that actually makes but, but sense. But don't, don't let it be your communication with the world. Let it be things you want to share mm-hmm. and share. With, make it, let all these things be whatever you want them to be. See, we become victims to Instagram or Twitter or Facebook of like, oh, I'm not liked or this, that. It can make you feel very insecure. Or is this person's popular? Why why didn't this person mention me when they mentioned that? There's so much negativity mm-hmm. that people aren't really actually putting on you. You're putting on yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Lord knows there's negativity. But no, you put a lot of that on yourself. You got to be kind to yourself even with social media. Right. That was my rule for staying on Instagram. I am only kind to myself. I don't beat myself up. For posting, I it's a, it's joyful. Yeah. And if I don't like something, I just take it down. Mm-hmm. I do the same thing. Yeah, it's no big deal. Yeah. But I'm saying that's the thing about it. 
Don't make it more. Don't make it much of a big deal. I think it's more important. How do you treat your friends and family? Are you present with them? How do you treat the waitress in the restaurant? Are you looking at your phone when she's asking you your order? It's rude. Look in the eye. Give her your order. Give him your order, and thank them when they bring it. If it tastes good, thank them. Tip them. Stay in relationship with even your mailman. Like stay in relationship to what's going on around you, and also be on the internet. The internet's awesome. Mm-hmm. Social media can be great. It's just we 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 tend to go to these extremes. Oh, it's horrible. It's ruining us. No, it's not. How are you approaching it? That's what's ruining us, mm-hmm. not it. But I like the, all the things that you've said about being true to yourself and being kind to yourself. I think that's really important, it's especially so, when it comes to self-love. It's so important, but I'm telling everyone listening that as much as people say it and make it sound easy, it is hard. Yeah. And it takes time to change these bad habits. I still, I wake up almost every morning and look in the mirror and say hello to myself in the goofiest way. I go, hey, or something like that. Well, the way I look in the morning and the way I am, it only makes me laugh. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because it's just ridiculous. And it sets a tone that's joyful that lasts however long it lasts. But I fail all the time at being kind to myself. All mm-hmm. the time. Don't worry about Ripken. Ripken will go out in a second. That's your dog for those of you. Yeah, sorry you guys. Sorry if anyone can hear Ripkin. I'm annoyed no, at her right now. You're not. She just. She just. just bored. She's, yeah. She really is. <laughs> because you let her out. You have to do something. I mean, Hi, I'm, Ripken. I'm sad. This is a Come good here. moment. I feel like we're no, getting to nice. such a good place. Your dog's adorable. I want to go home to my dog. Actually. Yeah, I know. My my dog. Sage. Yeah. Sage. Yes, yeah. I'm madly in love. Well, thank you so much for joining, Jeff. Hey, in honor. I think this is great. I wish you great luck with this uh, show. I think. I think it's great. Thank you so much. That means so much. Yeah. Yeah. Made my day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys so much for joining on this episode of Hot Pizza Ass. If you haven't already joined us on Patreon and you like the show, please consider doing so at patreon.com slash Aaron Darling. I want to give a shout out to some of the people that have joined me there. Adam Blake, Alex, Chris, EZ, I'ma Let You Finish, Lowell, Michael, Paul, Sean, the second Sean, Skittles, and Zach. Thank you all so much for joining and supporting this independent podcast. You guys have a great week and love yourself. Bye.